Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the Celtics Reddit Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Celtics J. Joining me because, well, he just can't quit me. The OG of OC, a born-again Marcus Smart believer. The quack of stats, Mr. Wayne Spoonie. Spoons, how you feeling, brother? Good, man. I appreciate that intro a lot more than the PhD of PP studies like last time. But yet you can't stop bringing it up. Like you're, you're doing true, this yeah. to yourself again. I was trying to give you an out. I was can't trying to give it, you an out. Yeah. Uh, we also have a special guest joining us today. He is the creator of Celtics Corner, a YouTube channel devoted to providing dynamic and engaging fan driven content about the team we all love. Back in September last wow. year, that channel hit 2 million views and it's currently sporting more than 8,000 subscribers. I had the pleasure of being invited as a guest on the most recent community shoot around live stream hosted on Celtics Corner. And I got to say, especially for anyone that hasn't had the opportunity to check it out, I was really impressed. This guy's legit. He's hosting, he's producing, he's interacting with a live audience in the chat, taking calls. But most impressively, in my opinion, is how incredibly gracious he is with the time and space that he's providing, not just for each guest, but also that audience that he's interacting with as well. Uh, he's not shy from expressing his own opinion, and he matches that with integrity of making sure that there's space and room for diverse discussion uh, across the entire spectrum of that Celtics fandom. Without any further ado, please welcome Be Smooth. Well, I appreciate the introduction. I felt like my PR guy did an amazing <laughs> job writing that out for you. I don't know. Phenomenal, man. But hey, Absolutely. appreciate y'all having me on. How do I get an intro like that, Jay? How much? How much? What's Listen, your when, you, when you're doing all of that all at once. <laughs> yeah, never. I can Listen, tell you that. I'm not I'll that I'll give you talented. both credit, though, because you both do have to put up with my talkative ass, right? Like <laughs> the guy that can't stop. Mm. So I, I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, before we get too deep into some of the discussions that I think are going to be mostly really prompted by the, the subreddit community, I do have kind of a focus question for you, Be Smooth, as the guest here. And given uh, the, the work that you've been doing covering the Celtics to now, how did you get started with Celtics mm. Corner? And what's a message that you want to make sure folks are hearing about the channel? So I started... Technically, my YouTube channel, sophomore year of college, that will be 2017, just as something to react to 
make a little side money. And basically it was a bet my friend had who would hit a hundred subs first on YouTube. Obviously I ended up winning the bet, but that's another story. <laughs> so I started it. It was Beast Move Entertainment, which is a nickname I came up with when I was five years old and kind of just stuck with it, kept going. And eventually I was like, you know what? I love making sell this content. Why don't I just change this around? So I went really, really deep, heavy. I met my guy Jags and then we just kind of turned the channel into Celtics Corner to be a, obviously fits the channel more, fits the, the unique, fits the fans. And man, it's been here ever since. And I think the biggest thing I want people to understand is maybe even like you last time we were on the stream is people have a chance to share their opinions from start to finish. You have the people that are diehard green teamers and you got people on the left like me who are very realistic, very logical. So that's my whole thing I want Celtics Corner to become. Yeah, man. And like I said, that that was something that stood out for me. Just the fact that like I know and you kind of play into into the dynamic because I know like you get some of that back and forth going with the of course. The, the green teamers <laughs> versus the doomers. I mean, listen, that's that's the live dynamic that's always kind of at play there. Sure. Um, and so I appreciate that. Again, yeah, you, you play into that, but you do so with equity on both sides. Um, and I think that shows genuine fandom right there. You know, like we can all respect and appreciate each other, even if we got different perspectives on, uh, say, Marcus Smart, for example. But I want to get us into some conversation that's focused on the series that's upcoming here and to kind of give us uh, some some uh, guidance for the discussion. I put a post out there into the subreddit to get some questions that folks had uh, that they'd like to hear us kind of talk about. And uh, the first question that we've got is coming directly from Prodigy Gamer 75 and he's asking well actually he's just saying haven't watched he's a hard Be hitting smooth. question yeah. <laughs> haven't watched be smooth in a while hope he's doing well mm. so prodigy gamer 75 is just shouting you out saying hope Appreciate you're doing that. well hey i'm doing well doing well hope you're doing well too man to get us uh into some actual discussion here we got user free hug and kiss it's probably been two years since I've been able to watch Be Smooth uh, on video, but ask him if Tice gets any playing time and what are his thoughts on each team's big rotations? Well, and again, if you haven't seen us, I mean, you're not subscribed to the channel. Make sure you subscribe. Anyway, I'm subscribe <laughs> here too. Now, what I would He's say is you Daniel, free hug and kiss. <laughs> I, what on, I will say about Turn on those Dan- notifications. Again, turn them on. Again, they're free too. Subscribing is literally free. I don't want to see people don't get that. But anyway, Daniel Tice, I think the thing about him for me is He's proven himself, especially in that Nets playoff run, that he's good enough to get a couple of minutes. Is he going to play the amount of minutes he was against the Nets? Probably not. But in this series where the Bucs are literally a huge team, they're going to start three technical centers, to be fair. Yeah, sure. Daniel Tyson have a lot of play, a lot of action. Uh, I don't know how healthy Robert Williams is, but you want him playing 35 minutes against Giannis and and Brooke and, and chasing Bobby Portis or maybe some of those smaller guys around? Probably not. Daniel Tyson will definitely have a lot of action this game, definitely. Spoons, yeah, what are your I'll, thoughts? I'll just add that uh, Giannis has a way of racking up fouls yeah. on front court players too. So I think we'll see. There will be games where Tice barely plays, and those are probably the games we win because Giannis is not generating fouls and free throws. And then there'll be games where he plays a lot, and those are the games where I think it's going to be a lot closer and maybe a Milwaukee win. And not nothing to do with Tice being a bad player or anything like that, but if Giannis is driving – He's getting into those seams and he's getting fouled. That's bad for the Celtics defense. It means we're not containing him out on the perimeter. And, you know, we've all seen Giannis. What did he shoot? 20 free throws in that 50 point game to win the title. I mean, uh, so I I think 
Tice will definitely have a role and like actually he could step up big in those types of games and could steal a game for the Celtics if he plays well. And he's been solid ever since Jay and I completely shit on him <laughs> after his first like week or two. And the Celtics are like, man, he looks slow and hurt. Uh, but ever since that, he's been a very solid, he's a solid bench big. So um, he will, he will definitely have a role for sure. It seems like, we saw obviously we saw a lot of Tice with with Rob getting hurt. The hope it would seem going into this series is that you need less of Tice because ultimately, as much as we might like Tice and, and want to root for Tice and want him to have you know good games and good seasons and what have you, with a fully healthy Celtics team as currently built, he's the third string big, yeah. And so, like the more he's playing, the more vulnerable we are just from you know just the value perspective. It would seem like. Does that resonate with you guys, or are you seeing like he might play more because there's a matchup that can be exploited with him on the floor? I would say that Daniel Tice at least kind of proved that he could be the second role in the last series, especially the last month Rob was out. Even before Rob had a big role, what was it like a year ago, two years ago? Daniel yeah, Tice was both. literally our starting big a lot of times. So I think Daniel Tice can definitely be that second guy. Um, now, do you want him to? No, but I think it's a, a benefit to have him as your third guy. You would live with that. Y- yeah, you absolutely. don't want to bring Cantor back just for spot oh, duty. Yeah. And, and his freedom can uh, stay doing freedom. his thing there. With that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> freedom. Yeah, I mean, it's a luxury to have a guy like Daniel Tice that deep in your bench. Absolutely. So, well, like I said, you know, usually if you're getting your starter set, starting center in foul trouble, you're in screwed right yeah. but the Celtics really not the case he matches up really well with Portis I don't want to see him on Giannis a lot I think that would be trouble but he can handle Portis and you know he can bang with Brooke Lopez a little bit but well yeah. as I'm sure you can both imagine a lot of the questions that we got are going to fixate on the big men rotations for both teams and so the next question that we have here is from TM Cuthbert mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to look at the similarities of the use of double bigs on the two teams and use and the use of Giannis as a roamer. The Bucks have been doing it for a while and it was seen as some great relevation, revelation rather. Nailed when you it. know, yeah, always, always. <laughs> words are fun and they're difficult. Yo, listen though, catch me on words with friends. I'm gonna like I'll take anybody on. I'm telling you right now. Anyway, mm. <laughs> the Bucks have been doing it for a while and it was seen as some great revelation when Udoka started using Rob that way. And so is what we're doing with Rob really breaking a mold or are we just copycatting Milwaukee spoons? What do you think? I think we're definitely copycatting Milwaukee. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. They say the NFL is like the league of copycats, right? Belichick creates something like two linemen and five linebackers, stuff like that. The NBA is even more so like Brad's first year as a coach. People were talking about how people were stealing his after timeout plays. So there's nothing wrong with stealing from Milwaukee. And we absolutely have been doing that. So um, I will say it's really Milwaukee takes it to like the 10th degree, though. So they run like B. Smooth talked about. They run that three big three center lineup. I was watching some of the. Chicago Milwaukee series and they Giannis was guarding Alex Caruso for large swaths of their games just because he was like oh, you gonna shoot 10 threes and make five of them Caruso and sink the bucks no absolutely not so he was guarding Caruso in name only and just basically doing whatever he wanted on the defensive end and 
we need to find a way to punish that if they hide them on Marcus Smart, say, um, because if you don't, there's just no way you're going to get to the rim if Giannis is free to do whatever the hell he wants on the defense end. Smooth, what do you think? Yeah, same thing, man. Obviously, pro sports is all copycat stuff, and I'm cool yeah. with that. Uh, we've seen a lot of teams do that. I think Zion made a career being a good defender and only being that free safety role. But yeah. on one-on-one, he's not the greatest guy. Giannis isn't that person. So I agree with what Spoon says about, obviously, Giannis will probably guard Marcus Smart, maybe Grant Williams, whoever's in the game. But if Tatum wants to switch on to Giannis, that's still not a recipe for you know goodness. Uh, you do not want Giannis you know, guarding Tatum, number one, if you're a Bucks fan, He's going to rack up fouls easily. Same way on the other end, Tatum's going to rack up fouls guarding Giannis. But I think Giannis guarding that Marcus Smart role, is Smart going to win you playoff games? Probably not. Is Marcus Smart going to go, you know, four of 12 on the three-point line? Probably not. So it's going to be rough. I guess you kind of want JB and Tatum attacking Giannis, but seeing how that goes, it's going to be a fun matchup, honestly. Listen. It just feels like a little too much Marcus Smart slander for my liking. Wait, wait, I was not slandering. I was just saying we got to find ways to exploit what they're doing. That's all. I the the way that I'm wired, anything that's not saying that he's an All NBA starting point guard sounds like slander to me. And I know that I'm an irrational optimist, and I own that. I acknowledge it. Um, you know. There is a difference between like our double big dynamic and their current triple big dynamic, um, especially because their bigs are just taller than our bigs. Yeah. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on on that dynamic? Because that's actually that that comes up in the in the sub in similar questions that folks are asking. Do you think that there's a an advantage to Milwaukee because their bigs are bigger than ours? Uh, Smooth, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think that the love that people were showing Horford and, and Tyson, and maybe like the 30 minutes that Rob Williams played in the series, is not going to happen much in this series, at least definitely not on the rebounding line. I mean, Milwaukee's a literally a huge, huge squad. Yeah. So if you're going to have Brooke Lopez, this is just on offense, Brooke Lopez sitting in one corner, Bobby Portis can either go on the block or sit in the other corner, then Giannis at the top of the key, being guarded by who? Al Horford. So this it's funny. I know people. I know we're gonna get to it lately, but people say build the wall, build the wall. That worked in like 2018. It doesn't work anymore because they have such great shooters around the rim. But even on defense, Brooke Lopez is not a slouch defensively. Sure, is he gonna move his feet like any you know quicker guy? No, but he's gonna block some shots. Bob Portis is probably their weakest defender, and he's pretty good too. So it's gonna be interesting dynamic. But that three double bigs, I don't know. We're not gonna try to match that. Are we gonna have Rob Tyson uh, Horford be in our starting lineup? No chance oh, in the world. I hope not. So <laughs> Please who's Please guarding don't. Bobby Portis on offense? That's my question because he's going to punish him. Tatum will rack up some fouls easily if Bobby Portis is backing this man down on the low post. It's going to be rough. You, you think you're hitting Bobby Portis is going to back down who? T- Tatum I couldn't. I haven't Tatum seen Bobby Portis, Portis use a back to the basket game like ever. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The disrespect, the hook shot for Bobby Portis, the mid-range shot <laughs> too. Come shot. on, man. Okay. He can hit a mid-range shot. Right. I've been thinking of the, Smooth, you are hitting on something I've been racking my brain about, and that's who's going to guard Bobby Portis. Mm. And I think I have the answer. I think it's Jalen Brown. Oh, no. If you remember what he did to Siakam, they're very similar players. They're slender, big men, and Jalen absolutely punked the shit out of Pascal Siakam in the bubble. And I think think that we will match up Jalen with Bobby Portis if they run that three-big alignment. 
because you're going to have Horford on Giannis. And then I think they probably leave Rob on Brooke Lopez and just say, go ahead, Brooke, shoot threes. He shot like 20% from three in the regular season. He's shooting like 25% from three in the playoffs. So I, I don't know because you don't want Tatum on him to your point because Bobby Portis, like even if he doesn't make the shot, you just don't want him banging into Tatum a hundred times a game, right? That's just going to wear him down. But Jalen could take that, man. So I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I'm going out on a limb here. I think like, look for that. I, I wonder, I'm very curious to see how we match up with Bobby Portis. I think that's a really like, I think the series is going to really like turn on what at that matchup in a lot of ways. Smooth. What do you, you, you you're, cook, you're cooking up a response <laughs> there. I see you. Just, there's just no shot. We have no chance. Now, is Bobby Porter going to win this series? No, but can he definitely swing the series? 100%. JP and Tatum both can't guard him down low. I'm sorry. And even against the three, is Bobby Porter going to dominate the low block like he's old school king? Probably not. But he's going to be shooting threes. They're going to get Probably frustrated. Not. <laughs> Probably not. And again, Brooke Lopez, are you going to let him shoot short? Just don't let him get hot. I've seen Brooke Lopez right. have great playoff games where he's five or seven from sure. the three point line. He's having a rough stretch. I think he had a couple of good games in this bowl series, but it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. I do not want JB guarding him. I think the most realistic thing is have Tatum because the size, even though size is in like height wise, not size is in like I guess width. But Jalen Brown on Bobby Portis is not gonna be recipe for goodness, man. Hmm. No shot. I don't know. I don't know. What is it I, that you say on the? Uh, what is sorry? Smooth, go ahead. What is go it ahead, that man. you think Brown doesn't have? in order to guard him that you Size. think Tatum could do better. Well, I mean, Brown's also four, at least four inches shorter than Bobby Portis. So you want to talk about hook shots. Bobby Portis was going to rain those all day. He couldn't even contest them. No shot. And again, back and down again, obviously you don't want JB and JT getting in foul trouble, but if there's one you're willing to, I guess, bad word, but sacrifice, it would be JB. You will let him go for Tatum being on the floor, but Bobby Portis is going to get those hook shots all day. And, and even I don't even know if he could probably contest, you know, Bobby Portis on that mid-range of the three-point shot. I don't know if he, he probably wouldn't even see him. Tatum would at least bother him because I know Tatum's listed like 6'8". He's probably more 6'9", 6'10", and Bobby Portis is yeah. a legit 6'10". Weren't there guy, reports so. last year that he's like 7'5 now? 7'5"? I don't know. <laughs> he's I'm, like I'm eight foot tall. I don't know. It's yeah. Taller than Taco. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> so I'm smooth. I'm hearing – that you're feeling pretty strongly that one one of the key advantages that Milwaukee might have just from the way the lineup is the starting lineup in those matchups is at at that position of Bobby Portis like so if you're if you're in Ime's position it sounds like you're you're not happy with Brown being matched up essentially on Portis but it almost sounds like you're kind of saying that might still be the best option it's what you got to do i guess is what mm-hmm. i would say and I'm trying to think of a situation where maybe Grant Williams could definitely body him, you know, actual body wise. But again, Grant's just too short. I felt like, especially if body gets Careful, to his spine, Grant, Grant was blocking KD in okay. the last series. A, a couple it, of blocks here and there. People were spamming a block he had on Jokic where he was behind <laughs> him. Okay, come on, it's beautiful stuff. You can't take blocks away from a guy just because no, you true. don't you don't like it. I, again, it's funny. I see in my comments like, "Oh my God, Grant's the best low post defender on the squad." <laughs> if Jokic had Grant Williams by himself all game, he scored fifty five points. Sure, let's stop with this. Yeah, but he's not by himself. None of these guys not are by, by themselves. Always so, so that's yeah, that's that's a key thing here. And so within the scheme, it does seem like they've been able to find the angles that they need to compensate for some of those, you know, those disadvantages they might have. True. So uh, next question that we've got that we're looking at here is coming from EF Shoemaker. And the uh, so the comment is, it's probably already on our topic list. 
Uh, but if we could talk about what kinds of plays do you expect the Bucks are going to use and, and how they've handled defensive rotations with their triple big lineup, that would be cool. So essentially what they're asking is, given this triple big lineup and the way that it matches up with us, what are either of you two looking or expecting from Milwaukee? What should we expect to see from them uh, scheme-wise? Spoons, I'll start with you. I got I got some stats for you. Bring them Buckle on. up, boys. All right, so... <laughs> Basically, what they've been doing in this huge lineup is they ignore the weak side. So they will just overload the strong side where the pick and roll is happening and flood that with all five defenders. So what that means is you're going to get open threes on the weak side. Milwaukee gave up the most wide open threes in the league this year, the second most open threes in the in the league this year the most threes, period, and team shot better on their threes overall than than their average against them. So what that means is... And that's with Middleton in the lineup. That's with Middleton. This series is going to come down to Milwaukee daring us to shoot threes. And it's really just going to come down to whether or not the Celtics can make them or not. Because when a team defends you like that, and the Nets tried this, they just don't really have the personnel... Milwaukee has the personnel to wall off the rim and stop penetration. So Tatum's going to have to be a willing passer, and he's going to have to trust Grant Williams in the corner. And I actually think Al Horford's like the most important offensive player for the Celtics in this series because he's going to have an all-you-can-eat three-point game all day. He's going to be open all series. And if he can knock him down, the Celtics are going to be in really good shape because then they're going to have to actually guard him out there. And then that'll open things up for Tatum and Brown to drive. But the way Milwaukee defended Vucevic was just Derek, like shoot 15 threes a game, Vuce. We don't care. You're not going to. And they're going to do the same thing with Horford. And we want to run a lot of actions off pick and rolls with Horford. Um, And I don't really think you can get Rob going as a lob threat with Lopez. He's like the best defender in the league, um, shutting off the lob game because he's just so he's just a massive human being, right? He just backs up on the pick and roll and he dares you to shoot a pull up three. So maybe Tatum and Brown could walk into some of those. But again, it just goes back to we're going to get a ton of open threes and we've all been talking all season. What is the weakness of this Celtics team is shooting? Yeah, so I I think this is going to be the series that really tests that. And we shot terribly against the Nets, so maybe we're due. (laughs) We're due, baby. (laughs) Smooth, uh, your response on this. Yeah, I would agree. Honestly, everything he said is probably something I would exactly say. And also, the last thing you said is perfect. Honestly, we have been on a hot streak offensively for a very, very long time. And I was always saying, again, they would throw tomatoes at me in the comment section. Bobby, you're a hater, (laughs) but again, it's all realistic eventually a hot team will cool off. It's just how the nature yeah. of basketball or pretty much all sports go. Your your star player is going to have a bad stretch. Your offense is all of a sudden going to stop making shots. We were seeing some bad shots go in in the net series. Guess what? It was going in. It was good. It was working for us. Derek White was looking good in last game. But I saw something in that Bucks game six against the Bulls, and I didn't mention the last last stream. I wish I did. I would see a similar way they guarded DeRozan. And again, no Zach Levine in that last game. They're going to use that same way to guard Jason Tatum. And guess what? I'm being honest. DeRozan in that game shot 10 shots, and he only had like maybe seven points. It was awful. I wouldn't be shocked 
if Tatum goes in that mindset and saying, you know what, I don't care what they're doing, I'm still going to shoot the ball. And that's a recipe for disaster. Because that's what they want him to do is those bad mid-range step-backs he used to do when in sophomore season. So it's going to be interesting in that aspect. Again, for Celtics offensively, you want to attack Brook Lopez. Lopez has been pretty awful at trying to guard, you know, I guess the guy the guy with the actual ball after the roll. Yeah. He drops down too much. It's an open three. Do you want to live with that shot with Marcus Smart? Probably not. JB, you live with it. Tatum, you're cool with it. But it's going to be interesting. Trying to get Brook Lopez in foul trouble, I think, is the most biggest part here. And then once you're at from there, then you're bringing in, then you make the, the line just small. Then you have Grayson Allen coming the game. Then you've got someone you can attack on offense. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's pre- great defenders on their side too. Yeah, and I'll say, yeah, that's that's a great point in that the weakness of the Bucks specifically in this matchup is that they start huge, yeah. but their bench is tiny, man. Like they were running lineups with Giannis at center, and then it was Drew, Grayson Allen. Pat Connaughton and Wes Matthews at the four. So it's like this weird thing where they go like enormous and then they're super tiny. I doubt they massacred the bulls with that lineup, but I doubt they do. I doubt they play it against us just because you cannot go that small against Tatum Brown and Rob Williams. Like they will just kill you inside. So I actually don't think the Bucks will go this sort of min-max size against us. I think they'll play it a little more traditionally. Brooke, Giannis, Giannis Portis, and then mix in the Allen, Pat C, Drew, um, and well, and without Middleton, I mean, they kind of just lack that small forward <laughs> size guy. So they're it's a little patchwork for them, but I just don't think we'll see the extremes as much. So I'm not sure. I think we can... If we're making shots, we will shoot them out of that big lineup that they really want to play. So it looks like with Middleton out, the Bucks are going to be going with Wes Matthews. What are your thoughts right now on, on what we should, as the opposing team, be expecting from Wes Matthews? My initial feeling on this is it's not the same guy that I remember even when he was in Portland um, and other stints he's done with other teams. I, I was actually surprised to find out this guy's still playing, which speaks a little bit to how little I followed the Bucks this year. And so I've got to be transparent on that. Do you guys know whether I should be scared of Wes Matthews or not? Or should I be excited about Brown turning him into barbecue chicken? Smooth, I'll start with you. Uh, it, it's one. Of, it's funny because neither of those things are probably going to happen. Wes Matthews it hasn't been – people haven't feared him since high school. So honestly, there. He's going to sit in the corner. He's going to shoot some threes, and that's fine. But one thing, the reason why Wes is still in the NBA, he can shoot threes, he can guard people. So yep. is he going to put Brown in a blender? No. But is he going to guard him the best of his ability? 100%. I mean, Wes Matthews gives a lot of great great offensive players some problems. He gave Zach Levine some problems. And Zach Levine is one of the best ISO scorers in the NBA. So Jalen Brown, whose handle is not the greatest in the world, I can definitely see Wes Matthews giving some pressure. Is he going to stop him? No. But slow him down 100%. He'll I mean, have he's bad got, games. And, and he's got a, a, a better body and frame to to sort of go toe to toe with Brown than say like mm. Seth Curry for the Nets. And De- so Rogers, yeah. yeah. So he's no. he's definitely gonna have it just from that perspective. And then on on the other side of West Matthews, you've got Drew Holiday, who we haven't even started talking about yet. And that's a whole different level of defense than you get from Kyrie on any day of the week. So um mm. it's definitely you know, this this is not going to be the same kind of series. It's not one that I think we can go into even feeling as comfortable as some of us might have felt going against the the Nets. This is this is going to be a hell of a, a fight, one way or the other, no matter yeah. what, what happens. Spoons, let's get yeah. your thoughts on it. 
Yeah, real quick. I'll just say um, Wes is like the classic. He's just a net neutral player. And I mean that as a compliment, right? Like <laughs> to, to Smooth's point, like, are they going to give him the ball? You and like, let him run, pick and roll. <laughs> like, they're not going to give him the ball. He's not going to be getting to the rim and make a plays for people. But like, you have to have a defender occupy him, right? Like, you can't just sag off him and leave him in the corner. Thanks. He will cr- he will make five, six threes in a game if you leave him open, right? And then he's a good enough on the defensive end that he's not gonna you can't attack him all day, uh, like you can, you know, Drogic, Seth Curry. Like the Nets just had like like I said last pod, Jay. All you can eat buffet for J- JB yeah. last, you know, last series. That's not the case with the Bucks. Um, and Wes Matthews is part of that. Mm. He's just just good enough at defense and just good enough at offense that He's kind of just kind of like cancels you out a little bit, if that makes sense. So it's like, we'll just put Wes Matthews in the corner and then we're playing four on four over here. And if they try to help off him, he's got to open three that he'll probably make. So um, he's he's a solid player, man. Like, yeah, I know it's kind of shocking. He probably shouldn't have been drafted fourth overall, um, but he's made a nice career for himself. Uh, just being that three and D poor man's Danny Green type of guy. <laughs> And and thinking about uh, comparisons between the last series and this one, you know, I'm thinking about the types of shots that Bruce Brown was getting and the way that we yeah. were willing to live with that. And given what you two are sharing and then what I know about, you know, having watched, you know, Wes Matthews in the past, um, that's not a guy that you want to live with getting open looks because you're helping no. elsewhere. Um, and so if that hasn't changed, then that is definitely a little bit nerve wracking. I mean, and, and you both have mentioned that, you know, Milwaukee has over the last couple of years very deliberately put good shooters around Giannis. And, and yeah. it's, you know, so the moment he's crashing to the basket, he's got, you know, release valves all lined up around. And so it's going to, yep. there's going to be a lot of pressure on the health of, of Rob at this point, because his ability to, to make those closeouts and help and not give up that space or that pressure that he can put on just because of his special level of athleticism. If that's not there, that kind of puts a, a wrench in, in really maybe the one wrinkle that we have that gives us an edge there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and, and kind of develops. I'm curious in getting one more kind of consideration before we uh, get into a couple more of these Reddit comments. I want to get both of your takes on the matchup at point guard, because we've got two point guards here, which Spoons, you remember early in the season, Drew was one of the comps that we were looking at with regards to considering whether Marcus Smart could be a third star in a championship contending team. And so now here we are, these two guys, both essentially the third star on their respective teams. This seems like a pretty important matchup for both of them and most especially for Marcus to establish himself, I think, in the air that he wants to be regarded in. Spoons, I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts on that matchup? Uh, I'm going to, you know me, Jay, I'm going to dodge this completely. (laughs) Uh, I actually don't think Drew's going to guard Marcus Smart. I think they're going to do what they did against the Bulls and have Giannis float off him and dare Marcus to shoot. And I think Drew's going to guard Tatum. Mm. I'm not really sure who else guards Tatum if they go, like any of their lineups. That's where I think they really... And I'm kind of like jumping the gun because I prepped this answer for the next Reddit comment. But uh, that's where they miss Middleton. 
They just do not have a big body that can guard on the wing. And Drew is just so damn good defensively. He's like smart, right? Like he can guard guys four inches taller than him because he's just so good at defense. So I think smart will probably guard Drew. So we'll see it on that end. But I don't think the opposite will happen. Um, So I'm not sure we'll get the Marcus Smart coming out, dominating Drew Holiday party that we all want, Jay, or at least (laughs) (laughs) least you know will happen. And I want, uh, (laughs) no, I want it to happen. I just think you're convinced it's going to happen. Uh, (laughs) uh, But I think Smart, like we had that conversation preseason and I think Smart has done a lot to claw his way a lot closer to Drew Holiday than I ever thought he would. And, you know, man, I already admitted defeat yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> a couple we're pods good. ago. So, yeah, you're just, yeah. <laughs> Smooth, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything Spoon said, you know, about the matchup. I think Drew will guard Tatum. Drew did a great job last year guarding Tatum. Or not, excuse me, yep. Tatum, but Kevin Durant in the postseason yep. second round. So I will see Drew Hardy guarding Tatum a lot. And obviously having help behind him with Giannis and Romers as well. I'm still stuck on something that Celtics Jay said to start this thing. You said something about Marcus Smart being a third star. I was stuck on that for five minutes. I'm confused here. What are we talking about? Are we comparing? And I get it. Smart has, you said, inched his way, maybe barely crawled, barely moved, maybe in the next <laughs> stadium. That's where we can talk about with Smart being compared with Drew Holiday in their molds. But on the big stages, Drew Holiday was an all-star. Drew Holiday was, was a great player last year in the finals. What <laughs> still is a caliber of player if he wasn't in a team with Middleton and Giannis on their squad. I think Holiday would be a great player still. So I think, you know, my my take on this dynamic and, and looking at these two in particular and, and comparing them, I think you're looking at two players that their careers have developed very differently, right? Mm-hmm. Drew came out and... He established himself as as a as a moderate borderline star pretty early in his career. Like he established Billy. himself really quickly, and at this point, I mean, he's one of the more reliable, dependable vets at that position. Like high level. Like I'm, I'm not saying that like he's just like a guy that you put on your team. Like I, I think he's a legitimate starting guard that you can consider the third best player on a championship team. I mean, he is right, but he's also he's He's leading out of his prime now. And I look at Marcus Smart. I don't, although I can see them right now and they're kind of like in my, from my perspective, they're, they're closing in on each other to a certain degree. But Marcus is that late bloomer that matches like career wise, more of a Kyle Lowry. And I know I brought that up kind of lightly when we were talking about this uh, the other, the other night smooth, you know, Kyle Lowry was another guy who kind of went under acknowledged, didn't get as many opportunities, maybe had to develop some of his game before he got those opportunities. But it was about year seven or eight when he finally got the chance to be an elite starting guard. And then there was no looking back. And and we've recognized him as an elite starting guard, third, second star on a championship team since then. Marcus Smart isn't Kyle Lowry yet. But what I'm saying is I think Marcus Smart is making that transition now similar to the way Lowry did. And so, yeah, he's not, in, and especially in most people's eyes, matching Drew right in this moment. But what I'm trying to say is that their, their sort of career arcs are, are passing by right now, you know, figuratively uh, and certainly not like hyper specific, you know, like give or take a season or two here. 
because I'm not trying to say that Drew is like washed or anything or like on his way down. That man is still playing at a ridiculously high level. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So if I remember correctly, it's been a long time. I remember Kyle Lowry was in Houston and he was starting to get playing time, but you could always see he was a good scorer. He had to leave to Toronto to finally get this opportunity. Are you saying Smart can will have to leave to be this second star in a championship team or he's going to have third, this, third. this team? <laughs> Well, if you look at it, man, he basically is on like his third team. Only it's like the third team is bringing the first team back together almost, right? Um, he's seen a couple of different iterations of this roster. He's seen turnover. He's had a, now now he's finally had a different coach even, right? So he I don't think he has to leave the team. He's been given an entirely new role than he's had in the past. Up until this point this season, he's been playing shooting guard, small forward, like that stretch six that he likes to coin role. He hasn't been a lead or even a backup point guard. He'll fill in when he's, you know, when there's been an extreme need. But we've had IT, Kyrie, or Kemba in that spot up until now. So that's like his time doing that Kyle Lowry playing this other role, not getting the opportunity. And then here we are as if it's almost like a new team, new role, new expectations, new responsibilities. And all he's done this season is shine bright like a diamond. I I wouldn't just call it a diamond again. It sounds like I'm a hater, but it's just me watching Marcus Smart. I've watched him for so long. I watched him at OSU and I saw him develop. I just don't see it. I'm sorry. I don't see a third star on a championship team. Is he a good player? Sure. But it's crazy. If you've seen some people on Twitter and people in my comment section, people say Rob Williams is already the third best player in the squad. He's already There's, been dropping. It's in one the of the hottest of debates fans. right now. Spoons did a whole episode trying to figure it out and even he couldn't figure it out. So I actually came to the conclusion it was Al Horford. Okay, now Al Horford's the third best player. 35-year-old Al Horford. So I don't know. I feel uh, like, you got to hate mean, on 35-year-olds. Don't come in this room hating on 35-year-olds. Here's, here's what I'll say. I mean, Jay, like I've said, I've capitulated. Marcus Smart's been incredible this year. Drew scores more yeah. and is considerably more efficient. He's 59% true shooting, which is like borderline elite. And Smart's at 54%, which is like average. So Drew's just got that scoring game. He and he's just a better player offensively. They're both similar playmakers. I will give Smart that. He's clearly playmaking at the highest level of his career. And he's getting up there. And if we trusted him to do it more, and it's not because he can't, it's just because Tatum's so fucking good at it now. Um that, you know, we just do it in other ways. But Drew's a, they're probably similar playmakers. Drew's is more efficient, better scorer. And that's no knock on Smart. And I think Smart's passed him defensively, right? He's the defensive player of the year. So uh, even though Drew's an incredible defensive player in his own right, probably the second best right behind Smart, nipping at his heels defensively. So it's six, one half and the dozen, the other on that end, in my opinion. But Drew's just a better scorer. So he's a slightly better player. But the rub of this series is, Drew ain't a second best player on a championship team. He's just not. Um, and that's what he's going to have to be in this series. Interesting point. Let's stay on the, uh, the the topic of point guards here for a second. We got another comment from one more 1382. I see Peyton Pritchard having more of a featured role in this series as opposed to the net series. What are your thoughts? Uh, Smooth, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, Peyton played well in, I think it was three of the four games. In the last game, I don't think he scored it. If he scored, maybe like a point or two. But he didn't really have an impact in game four. Game one, he was probably one of the reasons we came back in that game and won. 
Uh, I think it was what again it was game three. Had like eight points in a quarter. He he was solid. This is not the series. I Drew Holiday is a guy like Marcus Mar actually who will post up guards. Oh, Drew Holiday will take Peyton Pritchard down low and and beat him up and beat him up. And he also he'll put in a pick and roll with Giannis a bunch. I just don't want to see that. He was benched early in game one. I think it was game one. Maybe, yeah, it was game one trying to guard Kyrie Irving. It just didn't work for him. I wouldn't be shocked that this is a series he plays less. That's my thoughts. I don't feel like he wants to be guarded, you know, by Drew Holiday. And also, Drew Holiday would take his lunch very, very easily. Yeah, I wouldn't see him getting in there with Drew Holiday. I, I would see him basically getting any minutes that Drew's not in the game and he's able to match up with, like, one of Grayson Allen or uh, the uh, the other gentleman they've got there. Uh, Javon Carter is really good. Javon George Carter. Hill might return as well. West Virginia, baby. <laughs> Pride of WVU. So, Spoons, um, what are your thoughts on on Pritchard? Should I go back to my notes? Well, I mean, Give up the you most. have the PhD, so <laughs> I, I I need I need that I need that schooling right now. Milwaukee gives up the most wide open threes in the league, and they're giving up by far like six more wide open threes than the next team in the playoffs. Peyton Pritchard shoots 44% on wide open threes. That is like insane volume or insane level of shooting for Peyton Pritchard. Like if you leave him open, it's basically going in, right? We know that. I feel that when he gets the ball and he's open, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm already celebrating, right? I'm already chugging a beer. <laughs> Austin 316, I'm slamming two in my... <laughs> uh, so I actually, I'll go the opposite direction. I think Smooth is right. Defensively, not a great series for Pritchard, but there's no series that's a good series for Pritchard defensively. We did a great job hiding him against the Nets. I think we can do the same that if Holiday does post him up, which he will... Um, I think Peyton's actually kind of stout in that action. It's when you shoot over him that like KD shoots over him. Giannis will destroy him. So we're going to have to prevent those switches, but he's pretty stout. And if holiday gets deep, you know, Rob can come over and help. Horford can come over and help. Tice can come over and help. Grant Williams, probably not, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, So I, I actually think Pritchard will get more run this series and be more important to the team's success this series than especially if we can't make shots. And that is like my number one worry is like, we just go three of 20 from wide open threes. I like that is what Pritchard's on the team for. And maybe he's given up two on one end, but he can get us three on the other and on balance it's positive. So um, I I will go the opposite direction. I think Pritchard's going to have a big role well, big for him. You know, he's not going to play 40 minutes a night, but like 18 minutes a night uh, as opposed to like the 10 he was getting with the Nets because he can't guard Kyrie no. and he sure as hell can't guard Durant. Um, but he can do better against Drew than he could Kyrie, I think. So I- I'm interested to see how much run Pritchard gets because, man, that's going to be plenty of open threes for him. Well, and it, it opens up the, the door for White to have a potentially big series, even if it's just to better match up with Drew because uh, I, I don't know. Listen, to this point, we haven't seen, I think, anything from White to give us the the sense that his shooting is going to magically just show up for this series. Right. So I'm not counting on him hitting any of those open shots. Like I, he's still going to have to take them because you have to take them if, the, yeah. if they're good looks. And I know he, you know, it, it's been pretty evident that the guys have green lights. If it's open, take it. Right. So he's going to take them. 
but I'm I'm not like I've got the opposite feeling you have with Pritchard with White right now. But I do wonder if his uh, his defensive versatility, the way he can you know switch between anyone that's on the floor, save for you know Brook or perhaps uh, to a certain degree, you know the the post up master, um, <laughs> Bobby Poe, Portis. Uh, you know, save for those guys, he's someone that can can match up and be pretty dynamic. So it would seem like a, a key opportunity for him to to demonstrate the kind of impact that he can have. And if he does, by some you know awesome turn of luck, start raining threes, I mean that's just going to be gravy. Like that that's going to be, you know, I, we I don't think anyone on the Celtics fan base should like count or expect it. But if it happens, that's a great sign, yeah. and that means things are really True. breaking well for us. True. Um, so following up on that a little bit, um, same same user had a question. What do we think is the best way to capitalize with the absence of Middleton? So we've talked about, you know, Wes Matthews. He's not Chris Middleton by any stretch. But whereas normally, you know, you might have to put in like a, a Grayson Allen or a Pat Connaughton, who's going to be like a significant downgrade, especially on defense. They've got Wes Matthews that comes in. And really kind of softens that that absence at least a bit, right? Like it's not as steep a decline on the defensive end. He can still hit from the outside. Again, I'm I'm going based on the feedback you guys are giving me. I appreciate that expertise. So <laughs> what do we think? We we've identified the benefits that Milwaukee has with uh you know having Wes Matthews in that place, but where is our chance to use that absence as an advantage? Uh, Spoons, I'll start with you. So I actually don't think they're going to miss him as much on offense uh, because we kind of hinted on it. Like Wes Matthews can shoot. Grayson Allen can shoot. Pat C, local boy, he can shoot. So you just spread it out for Giannis. Giannis is going to do what he does, man, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay. Like Middleton, obviously late game, they may miss him there. But for the vast majority of the games, it's like, well, you got to guard all these guys. So then you're going to get Giannis in one-on-one or two-on-two situations, and that's when he just kills you. On defense, though, I hinted at it earlier, Drew Holiday can only guard one of these guys, right? And if you want to keep Giannis in his off-ball disruptor role, that means who the hell is guarding Jalen Brown? Like, okay, Wes Matthews is okay, all you got to do is set a pick and then Brooke Lopez is on him or Bobby Portis is on. There's all, there's two J's, right? Like there's only one drew. Um, so I think that's the big loss for them is def- they just lose so much defensive versatility without having a six, seven above average defensive player in the same way. We'd lose a lot of defensive versatility if Jalen Brown wasn't out there sure. or even like, you know, Grant Williams is he's not, an all NBA level defender, but he's pretty damn good and he's big and he can guard a lot of different types of players And Middleton's the same way. Um, so I actually think their big losses on the defensive end. And like I said earlier, you can exploit that big lineup if you're making shots and you know, you got to compromise your defense in different ways when you don't have a six, seven guy who can guard one through five, basically, which middle can Middleton can absolutely do. And one of the uh, things that I think they're going to – you you touched on it where, you know, late game situations, clutch time situations, not having Middleton is going to be, uh, you know, definitely uh, a disadvantage for Milwaukee. But 
but also I think just in the natural flow of the game, like Middleton is, is such an effective, you know, ISO creator and, and granted they don't run an ISO heavy offense similar to how we don't necessarily, but it's important to have that option, right. To have guys that can create like that, take advantage of those mismatches. And that's something that you definitely have to scheme and be prepared for with Middleton. Whereas with Wes Matthews, you know, he's just going to be waiting for a three point shot by and large. And so you can kind of scheme to that a little bit easier. And so, but um, I want to get Smooth's take on this as well. Yeah, what I would say is going back to how the Bucks played the Bulls last year, not last year, seriously, last round, you saw in the first two games, they were competitive with Chris Middleton. It's it's always funny in the NBA where you take a guy that, you know, that's a star player, he's injured, and the team performs better without him. Again, it's weird. The Raptors, the same way, they won two games without their best player, Fred Van Fleet, or second best player, whatever. So they lose uh, Middleton, and all of a sudden Bobby Portis comes up, and the Bulls don't know how to guard Bobby Portis. It doesn't work. His three-point shooting, Brook Lopez doing a little bit, and having Grayson come off the bench and giving him eight threes in the game obviously hurts. And the same aspect here, and you know, Spoon said it, clutch shooting is probably where they're going to miss him. But if they're up 15 points, it doesn't matter being clutch. It doesn't matter. Right. So if they're going right. to hit their threes with Grayson Allen and Wes Matthews, Bobby Portis give them something offensively. Yeah, if they're up 15 points, Chris, uh, Chris Middleton's best ability of being clutch won't help them. But defensively, I agree. But when you have, in my opinion, the best defensive player in the NBA, he can erase a lot of mistakes that's going to be made by when Pat Conson's in the game or Grayson Allen. Giannis Antetokounmpo is Rob Williams on steroids. He is even a better guy being that little free yeah. safety coming over the top, trying to guard things and create havoc. We're going to see how he was daring Vucevic to shoot, daring Patrick Williams to shoot in the Bulls series. We have better shooters, but have these guys been in these spots more recently? Grant Williams is his first year ever being a really good three-point shooter. Let's see if he can hit these threes off in the playoffs. He hit them in the first round. See if he hit them in the second round. Guys like Peyton Pritchard, Derek White, who honestly couldn't shoot better than me, guys like that are going to be in the corner. <laughs> We're going to see what happens. And Young's going to dare him to shoot. Yeah. And you know what? Let's let's stay thinking about this, um, specifically thinking about these late end game situations. And uh, we've got one final Reddit comment to look at here. Jalen Brown flow. Uh, we know Smart, Tatum, Brown, and Horford are locks for the closing lineup, but who's going to be that fifth guy? Time Lord, Batman, White, Smooth, your thoughts. Yeah, it's tough. I'm trying to remember who, again, the Bucks games just weren't close, so we didn't even get to see a start or an ending lineup there. So I can't even think of who they would run with. Obviously, it's the flow of the game. I wouldn't be shocked if they go maybe a lineup of Drew. And also, we're forgetting Javon Carter, you know, a West Virginia guy, is a good defender himself. So if Grayson Allen's giving them problems and he can't guard no one, don't be shocked if Javon Carter goes out and tries to guard Jalen Brown. Again, he's short, but he can definitely stick with him too. Yep. I wouldn't be shocked if like a Drew Holiday, Wes Matthews, Giannis, and I'd go maybe Grayson with them too. I'd probably have that lineup. And again, is he going to be a good defender? No, but the value he brings that you can't leave up with, forget the corners, even the wings. He's shooting threes from 30 feet oh, out. Yeah. So I think Grayson just there and maybe have Grayson guard Marcus Smart, who if Marcus Smart beats you as a Bucks fan, you're going to live with that. If Marcus Smart's going to hit a lot of threes. So I think that lineup and obviously having Brooke and Bobby as well. And so who do you think on the Celtics side will close? For the Celtics, I would go in. If that case, it would go be Time Lord. If you're going to have Giannis and Lopez or it's Giannis and Bobby Portis, Rob Williams tries to be the little free safety on Lopez or Bobby Portis, and that would work. Say if they go really small and Giannis is their five, I could see, you know, I hate the name, nickname Batman, but Grant Williams being on the floor at the end trying to stick with with Giannis see how that works on the offensive end and defensive end so hey listen Grant Grant Williams 
is semi ogile on steroids. So that's enough. <laughs> that Stop is actually disrespectful. That that is so disrespectful. That is disrespectful. <laughs> semi ogile uh, is terrible, but go ahead. Yeah. Dude, I uh, I actually I think the question mark is Horford. I oh. think it might be between Rob and Horford because I think Grant Williams. We can we're not going to be able to keep him off the floor in this series for better or for worse. That might be our death knell. That might be the reason we lose. But I just think we need Grant's versatility to guard Giannis and guard Bobby Portis, and most importantly, the fact that he is seemingly an elite three-point shooter. I don't know. He's, I like, he's definitely yeah, our elite three-point shooter. Right. Yeah. I mean, to Smooth's point, like, the Bucks are going to dare him to beat them. Mm-hmm. And, like, he he got the Nets, man, and he might get the Bucks. So I think just the way the, the floor is going to play out, we're just going to have to be a little bigger than we were against the Nets. So I don't think Derek White, and especially with his lack of shooting, um, I think White's the – sixth best player on the team but i just don't think he's a great fit for this series and he wasn't he couldn't shoot against the nets too so like you know if he's making shots maybe but i i think it's going to be between rob and horford just defend depending on how well you know how rob's feeling and how well he's playing um but i think grant's in there man no doubt about it Mm. like he's just got the shooting and the defensive versatility that we just got to keep him out there. True. Having to match up against Giannis is not going to be a fun time. Like having to match up against no. KD, I know wasn't the most fun he ever had, but KD and it's not that KD isn't a strong guy. Like I, I'm KD has, you know, I'm sure he's going to beat me in an arm wrestling match. Right. But compared to, but Giannis, compared to Giannis, though, yeah. it's like, you know, it, like, it's Giannis like having a, a pickup truck beast. and an 18 wheeler. You know what I mean? Like right, Giannis, yeah. I, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I really see Giannis as the most Shaq like player in the league right now. Like you just, you physically can't do anything about it. You, you He's yeah. going to do whatever he wants and you got to find think- a way to deal with everyone else. We, hi- you highlight it. Like your, your point is so made Jay by, Tatum can guard Durant. He cannot guard Giannis. Right, no. Like, I do not want, I want to keep Tatum off Giannis, keep him away from foul trouble as much as possible, just because Giannis is just such a beast, dude. Yeah. All right. So I know that Spoons, you and I are in the camp of thinking the Celtics can pull this off. No doubt. Smooth, you're on the record saying you believe Milwaukee's got this. Yeah. And I understand you're coming at it from, from reason and logic. Now, yeah. With that in mind, I'm not asking you to change your your stance on it, but what I am asking for is if the Celtics are going to win this series, how mm. would they be able to do it from your perspective? I, I guess offensively, they are having Giannis in foul trouble and he is not getting to play. He has three fouls early in the second quarter and he's sitting and they're relying on Drew Holiday to beat him, which I think Spoon said earlier, Drew Holiday is not going to win the series. So if that is what's going to happen, that's cool. I think on the other end, Again, if we're going to hit crazy shots like we were this series, if we're going to shoot 40% from three some games, yeah, we can beat pretty much any team. If we're going to shoot 50%, 45% from three, but if we're being more realistic and say we're shooting 37% from three, Tatum's not hitting all these crazy step backs and Jalen Brown's not going at Seth Curry and Blake Griffin anymore. He's going to actually good defenders. You could see this game going Milwaukee's way, but I think three-point shooting is important. And also it's crazy. The importance of Grant Williams hitting those threes – it's weird to say Derek White, but Derek White and Peyton Pritchard, that bench yeah. is going to be important because we know they <laughs> yeah. got shooters on the other side. Our best three-point shooters, Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard, not battle-tested at all. That's rough there. That's a good point. And, yeah, it's, it, 
it, you know, it's a, it's a make or miss league, right? They've done it. They've done <laughs> yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like you haven't done it till you've done it. Yes. And we have not done right. it in Milwaukee has. Yep. So that's my biggest concern is just like this team. I still hold on to a little bit of the first part of the season where like deep down, I'm like, are they still the dudes from November? You know what I mean? Like, are they still those guys? And I keep expecting them to like reveal that to me in the most disappointing way ever. And they keep rising to the challenge. So I've got no reason to think they won't this time. But like to Smooth's point, Grant Williams could go 0 for 7 from 3 in like a game, you know, and we lose by 20. Uh, So I'm I'm terrified. I was terrified of Brooklyn, too, until game one. So (laughs) I want to see how game one plays out. But yeah, season six. Season three. Season three. Celtics in six. I think it'll be in six. If they had Middleton, I think it's a coin flip in seven. Um, But I think without Middleton, man, that really hurts their team. It'd be like us without JB. You know what I mean? We we experienced that. That's a nightmare. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, So I I think Celtic, and they're, I think if you knock out Middleton and knock out Brown, they're probably the better team slightly. Um, so I, I would say Celtics and six, just cause without Middleton, man, they're, I just don't think they have enough firepower and, and enough on defense, enough size. Well, smooth. What I, you're, uh, you're, yeah. you're, I guess here, I want to give you the, the, the final word for, for the evening. Yeah. So what I said, so I said something in my, you know, the thing we did yesterday, uh, and I was like, you know what, I'm always going to rock with the best player and people really got offended by the, Oh my gosh, Giannis is the best player. How, how could you say that? He, it doesn't matter. He has two MVPs and a finals MVP. It doesn't matter. He's not that good. He's not skilled. He's put him on the free throw line. And I guess we're going to see how that goes. And like Spoon says, I really want to see how they guard Giannis in this first game. If Giannis goes out and they give their best defensive show and they run a little zone defense and, Giannis still goes for 35 points. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a bad series. It's going to be a very rough showing. But I can't wait, and it's rough. And I love my Celtics, but you can't go against Tom Brady or Floyd Mayweather or Muhammad Ali. And I think Giannis is etching into that category of he's just too damn good, too. So I I almost slipped up here. And I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I honor again the the folks in the sub that that gave questions. Um, there's one last question, but it is specifically directed at you, Smooth, and it's in response to the the comments you had made in the live stream. So okay. this is user Miles Plavis. Uh, again, directly coming to you. Be Smooth. Star guy. Shout out PJ. That's right. <laughs> you claim that when a team has the best player on the floor, they will carry their team to victory and cited LeBron and MJ as your main examples. Mm-hmm. MJ had two great or MJ had great teams behind each of his six rings. LeBron too has only won championships with good to great teams. And when he made it to the 2018 finals only to lose to the Warriors, he still had a team that featured Jordan Clarkson, Kevin Love, Jay Crowder, Kyle Korver, Larry Nance Jr. And Jeff Green. It's one thing to say that a team's success will be dictated by how many stars it sports. It's another to say a single star can carry a team. So be smooth. Now that Middleton is sidelined with an injury, who is the better team? Because you picked the Bucks to win this series, yet I'm looking at the Celtics team that has two all-star wings, a defensive player of the year at point, a potential future defensive player of the year at the five, and a defensive savant in Al Horford. And that's just the starting five. So smooth, it's to you. 
So you guys said it's your boy, what, PJ, right? So shout out to PJ. PJ, I got to destroy you real quick. So the fact that you you named Jordan Clarkson and Kyle Korver and Larry Nance and Jeff Green of all names as having LeBron being a good team is just laughable. Again, you go back to that 2018 series, the Celtics with the young Tatum and Brown, that was a better team, but we lost to what it was. Oh, the better player in LeBron James in seven. Now, same thing in this series here. Giannis has way better team. And and sure, the Celtics have a better cast of characters, but I would say that Giannis's team fits him better with the groups of shooting with Grayson Allen and Javon Carter. And you have Pat Connaughton and Drew Holiday is great. Bobby Porter's and Brooke Lopez just hits 35 percent of his threes and he'll be a solid player. But like the the first three or four names you just cited are are really not much different than like Jordan Clarkson, Jay Crowder, Kyle Korver. No, those guys weren't shooters at all. It was LeBron or nothing. But but. All right, Kevin Love, though, has been All-NBA. Kyle Korver has been an All-Star. Jordan Clarkson has been a potential six-man of the year in in multiple That was was six-man of the year. That was three years later. Kevin Love was well past his prime. But what's Pat Connaughton done, right? What's Grayson Allen done? Whoa, I will not stand for Pat (laughs) Pat Connaughton's slander. He's a local Boston guy, all right? Patty was really good last year in their finals run, and Drew Holiday was was good. And Grayson Allen, again, he hasn't proven nothing, but he's also a really, really good shooter. Jordan Clarkson, that guy was three years away. Larry Nance has never been away. So all those guys you're naming were trash players. They needed LeBron to go off and a lucky 20 points from Jeff Green, who's played on like 15 teams and has a rainbow collection in his his locker room. So I'm sorry. It's rough. I think it's... It's always crazy for people to say that the best player in a series can't carry a team over. Sure, can LeBron not beat KD, Steph Curry, Draymond, Clay Thompson? I don't expect anyone to. I don't think the Monstars could. But Giannis, well, you but can't we, beat we this covered team? the other teams that got LeBron too. Like we we talked about that example, and there's there's more than just that super Warriors team that took down LeBron. Uh, 2010 Celtics. 2010 Celtics. Again, yeah, when he had Mo Williams and Drew Gooden. Okay, a phenomenal team. If you give him life, San Antonio Spurs, Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks, he had a bad series. Spurs, he beat him the year after, but it's for right, the year before. But see, you, but you can't be selective like that, though. You get, well, that was just a bad series. Dirk, it was a Dirk time was when a the best player in that series. Carry them over a, a, a better, a great team. There's no, a great no, okay, team, well, and there was a greater superstar. And those are examples where the greater superstar didn't come out on top. I would I, argue that the Heat still the valid. Team, I'm not really trying to discredit the point. I'm just saying there's examples on both sides of it. Sure, I guess we can always find when the smaller person beats up the bigger person. But is it going to happen more often? No. The broken clock's always right twice a day. And I still believe you will take the best player. No one picked against Jordan, even though Jordan went against tough competition. Same thing with LeBron. You're not going to bet against LeBron because he's freaking LeBron James. Same thing with Giannis. I feel like people disrespect him whether because he's not hitting step backs and spin jumpers or you know blowing kisses at a crowd like Tatum but he's still going to score more points more efficiently more rebounds almost same number of assists and great defense too I feel like we got to put some respect on Giannis's name till proven otherwise all I'm saying is Marcus Smart has broken plenty of picture frames there's no reason why he can't break a clock or two while he's at it all right I'm more than happy to let the Celtics end up being the broken clock that's right this one time and get to that and get to that finals I'll live in that space of hope uh so I I genuinely want to thank you be smooth for joining us this evening where can folks be finding you what do you want to plug before before we sign off 
Hey, it's the YouTube channel, man. If you guys want to come on, share your opinions in the comment section. Join the, the little panel, man. I appreciate y'all. Celtics Corner. DM me on Twitter, real underscore be smooth. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Definitely need to get my guy Spoons on the show because I want to make Absolutely. sure he has a chance here. For sure. Hey, on behalf of the Celtics Reddit podcast team, I do want to thank everyone for listening and for the ongoing encouragement and support. Again, special thanks to our guest, Be Smooth, from Celtics Corner. We're continuing to build up our YouTube channel, and you can talk back with us at the Celtics Reddit sub, as well as on Twitter at Celtics Reddit pod. Leave us comments. Give us feedback. Tell us what you like. Tell us that we're crazy. Tell us that we're beautiful. Uh, Whatever you tell us, just don't. For the love of all things green, do not tell us to trade smart ever, (laughs) ever, ever again. (laughs) Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.